we're back with part three of our lawyer to writer to author. This time we're inviting Christy Tate, one of our favorite lawyers turned successful published author, to weigh in on some of these ideas with us. And we're going to actually talk about the practical, logistical, how do you write while you're a lawyer? How do you take classes? What do you do? Because there is no one way. There's no one path lawyer to a writer. But there's, let me tell you, there's a lot of them out there. There is. Yeah, right? We've interviewed quite a few of them. The first thing I want to start with today is the logistics. Okay, you have a lifelong dream to be a writer. How do you go from that idea slash dream to actually writing a book when, as we know, as big law lawyers at, at some times in our lives, how hard it is to find time. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I love your podcast. And I, I'm a avid listener. And I, I do always feel a certain kinship with all the authors you talk to, who are former lawyers, because there are a ton of them. And so if somebody's looking for inspiration, look no further than pop fiction women. <laughs> <laughs> and what I would say is what for me, the mental hurdle I had to get over because <clears throat> I couldn't quit my job. I, I had to be a lawyer and have benefits. And then I also wanted to write. What I had to do is confront my my the mythical notion that you can only be a writer if you have four or six or eight hours of uninterrupted time in a garret with your door <laughs> shut. Like <laughs> I had to be, I yeah. saw somebody write, somebody in an essay once talked about like guerrilla writing where you got, you got 10 minutes, you get in your document, you jot down a thing, or you just let your imagination go, or you work on your work in progress. When I started to understand that I could be a writer 10 minutes a day mm -hmm. at a time, that's when the huge shifts began for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that still, I think, stands. Do you uh, do you agree? I mean, I do. I feel like those are the moments that really make the writing. I don't think anyone needs or thrives with eight hours to write in a day. I, I've never yeah. heard of the person who's like, yes, that is my practice. I, Lauren Groff talks about having a 10-hour workday, but five to eight hours of that every single day is dedicated to reading. It's those kind of like bursts that make the writing. Yeah. And I think you won't start unless you believe that you can do that. The hurdle would be too big. I, I think yes. luckily I didn't think I didn't come in with that notion. I uh, thank God, because I would have never I would have just done it. That would never happen. So there maybe was a little of the ignorance is bliss kind of a thing. So I was like, well, clearly I don't have that. So whatever I can do on my commute will just have to be enough you know and again when you start off you don't have a book deal you don't have an agent you don't have a deadline you should just tell yourself like whatever it is 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 just you're just doing it if it's 10 minutes if it's 15 minutes but I think if people go in with that kind of expectation like you're suggesting it's just so much the entry is at least easier like don't give yourself some crazy yeah goal of hours a day or else you really won't start it just yeah it would be too daunting but let's talk specifically, like either one of you, mm -hmm. if you have it at the top of your head, when that when you wrote that first book, which, by the way, anyone's first book never sees the light of day. So <laughs> when you wrote it, what take us through that process? Like you got the idea, then what did you st start doing? Yeah, so I remember 
my so my first book i was i had two children under the age of four i was working as i was actually working as a law clerk um so not the same as big law so i won't claim that yeah but i still like i was still breastfeeding (laughs) like it was i didn't have a lot of spare time and i just remember i just remember i had a little thing on my desk so i would write during my lunch breaks which I just sat at my desk. I didn't go anywhere, which is a very lawyer thing to do, right? Yes, what lunch breaks? Course. Yeah. And I had a little post-it note at the top of my computer, and each I would write the date and how many words. Now I didn't know oh. anything about editing. I never even went back. I just kept going forward, which yeah. was fine. I would try to just like keep my hands moving for a thousand words, and I got to where I could write really fast. And what was great about that, similar to what Kate said. What was great about early days was like my inner critic hadn't hadn't really right. hadn't blossomed any more than my inner writer. So yeah. yes. I had I had moments of like I would just watch the tallies tick up and like five days a week I would do a thousand words and like soon I had eighty thousand words and wow. I, mean, I didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. But but yeah. The, any any sense of accomplishment that counts. Getting the words down is absolutely part of the process. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Kate, what about you? That just sounds very lawyerly, by the way, that you went by words and like like an achievement. And then look, Same. I met my goal. I met yeah. my goal. And that sounds like something I would do. I just honestly didn't even know to count the words. It was it, like, you know, or I remember Googling like how many words is a is a novel supposed yeah. to be, which by the way is comical because, you know, they run the gamut, but there is generally a, there a is. word count, which I learned. But I wasn't going off of words. I had wanted to write a book for a long time. It is kind of a lifelong dream. I took one writing class when I was a third year. We're going to talk about classes and books and all that stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible with classes. But I had one. I went to one when I was a third year associate. I got it as a Christmas gift from my husband. And then that still didn't spark anything. I mean, I took the class and it was great. And I always said, I'm like, well, I don't have an idea. I don't have an idea. When I have an idea, I'll write something. And then finally I had an idea and I had a long commute. So in terms of how I got it done, like an unusually long commute, as in two hours a day, both ways on a train. I got a, I have an iPad with a little keyboard and it was just, you know, now that was also my work time. It happened to be that we had settled a huge case and I had normally on that commute time, I was doing my work work. But I had the opportunity where I had a little more free time where during the commute, I could do that. So that gave me, it's a large chunk of time. Yeah. Even though I said before, you know, you don't, don't give yourself, you know, you could take 10, 15 minutes. I just happened to have built into my day yeah. because of my commute, a chunk of time that did allow me to get, get going really. Yeah. 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 So. But the theme here, and I'll tell my story too. Yeah, the theme here is you. to break it up, right? Yeah bird by bird, you know, you have to take little pieces of it. I totally, I was working at Big Law when I wrote my first novel. Mm -hmm. I, I did Google how many words is a novel for adult contemporary Mm -hmm. fiction, 90,000 words. So I was like 90,000 words, cut it up into days like five days a week or six days a week, whatever it was that I had decided I could handle and just did the math. And I Mm -hmm. broke it up and I was like, this is, this is it. And I worked backwards. I went from the 90,000 and worked backwards. And then I was like, okay, now I will have this done by, and I got it done in a very short period of time. But 
I think that is you have to build on something. And I wouldn't do that again. It was rushed. It was no, kind of nonsensical. Even more than that, I had no idea what to do with it at the end. I did not know how to revise. And like Christy, I agree, my inner critic was not was was as strong as my inner writer, which was not that strong and practiced at that point. So I kind of just flew through it and had that feeling of like, okay, I can do this. And that is a big thing. But small chunks and protect it. Don't let it go to the wayside. Just mad. Even if you go through your whole day and at the end of the night, you don't have your word count met or you haven't met your time requirement. Just just do it. I mean, that's break it up mm. into small pieces and just do it. We are check lawyers are check the box people and we know how to do a task. The Creative Habit by Twyla mm -hmm. Tharp was instrumental in helping me understand how to break things down and and that writing is a practice. That was a huge one for me. So that was that was but how I, I think got, what you're yeah. saying too about lawyers, one of our attributes, yes, we like check the box, we're good with yeah. the task. I remember Mary Adkins, we've interviewed her twice, said in terms of the transition, she's like, we know how to work, right? Like yeah. there is an inherent work ethic of sitting your ass in a chair yeah. and working. So yes. that is very useful for writing as well, right? That's a skill that we learned by necessity doing our, our day jobs, if you will, and so if you want to write, I mean, you have that in you, right? If you're yeah. a lawyer, you've you've if you've made yeah. it through law school yeah. and you made it through the bar exam, like you have the work ethic and you have the ability to sit and and complete a task and and create a work product. So yeah. yes, the like work ethic is there. That. Yeah. yeah. It's just a matter of trying to break it into yeah. digestible chunks because and whether that's by time or by word count, either way, I think works. It's just what mm -hmm. works for you to set that and just say like this is, you know, you're used to whether you're really good about your time billing time yeah. <laughs> or whether you do it like I think I know Kate and I, but Christy, I don't know about you, like at the end of the month, you still th do that then at the end yeah. of the month you were supposed to have, you know, whatever. Yes. Uh, I will say, because I just remembered it now, Erica Katz did not do this. She is someone who would take a week off and mm -hmm. like go away and bang out 50,000 words. Now, yeah. that that works too, but you just need to have a plan and execute it because that is what lawyers are good at. And that is yeah. what the, the idea of I'm going to write a novel someday is so far off that it's hard to, you know, digest. I, I totally agree on the breaking it down into manageable chunks, just mentally, just to be able to digest it. I also think when I started to like, when I started to let the dream take hold of me, yeah, mm. I started to find inspiration. And I remember I wasn't even necessarily looking for it. Like I was sort of like my shadow side was ready to be a writer before it could move forward. And yeah. I would listen to podcasts with writers on it. And I heard... Toni Morrison, she was working and she had a, she was a single mom of a child and she would get up before work at 530 or something like that. And she would start writing. I'm like, well, I'm I'm never going to be Toni Morrison, but also I can I can I can at least do what she did. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you knew, like I do think the lawyer set up, it's like, you know, going into law school, if you want to do well, there's yes. certain things you have to do. You have to get, you probably got to get in a group of the study group. You got to do your mm -hmm. outlines. You've got to take notes and go to class or, 
And so just applying that, I would hear, and to your point, again, on the commute, Kate, Justin Torres, he wrote a gorgeous, gorgeous novel called We Were Animals. Yeah. I think it was later made a movie. Yeah. But he, he, I heard him on a podcast say he, he was working and he was, you know, trying to make ends meet. I think he lived in New York and he didn't have time. And he would, he would take the subway into his job and he would just repeat to himself the lines the first, like he didn't even have paper and a pen or a computer. He would just say it over and over again. And when you read the book, you can see this gorgeous repetition that is now inherent in his artwork that came because he would just say over and over again, we were hungry, we were hungry, we were hungry. And now it's part of, it's like intrinsic in his art. It's it's incredible. I love that. I love that. Which also makes me think of don't be precious about the words, right? Yeah. First of all, Kate's on an iPad with a keyboard which is still i think pretty impressive but i've i've julie bunton author of marlena she talked about just on her phone in oh i do that yeah in google docs wrote no she wrote the whole novel no i know draft. i know yeah a yeah, whole draft that, that way so your daily word count it can be on your phone in yeah. your you know notes app or your or google docs on your phone you can again don't be precious about sitting down and yeah. you know like finding now by the way these are a lot of beginner ideas later mm-hmm. i do think that that it's important and christy you and i have talked about this a lot of times to ritualize the practice like you know just something that signals to your brain like this is my time yeah. to write and yeah Christy, you also introduced me to a great thing and that with tomato timer. You want to talk about that? (laughs) Oh, yes. Pomodoro? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've heard of this. That is how I wrote my first three books, none of which live in the world, but they obviously needed to happen to get to the one as stepping stones to get to the ones that would live in the world. But that's absolutely so I would do tomato timer is you can find it online. It just yeah. pops up on your screen yeah. and it counts down. You get 25 minute segments and then you take a five minute break. And if you do three rounds of 25, you get a 10 minute break. I'm telling you, I did that. I no longer work as a lawyer. I've transitioned to full time writer. But my last eight years of law practice, I would use that to- tomato timer rigorously yeah. because I was I was really won over by the idea that if I focused and really didn't drift off conversation mm-hmm. or daydream or call the doctor I had to yeah. wait to call the doctor just I couldn't do it just when it popped in my head I had to wait till my tomato timer mm-hmm. and people used to walk by my office and they'd hear the tomato timer going off like oh my god what's happening in there like are you cooking something is there a bomb but having having that I mean I'm very time oriented I eventually yeah. had to let it go because I got too psychotic and my relationship turned just toxic, gonna say but, yeah, um, well, I was, yeah but it worked in the beginning you, yeah, but also if you work at a law firm, our relationship to time is already toxic. We, we yes. bill by the by the point six minutes. Six <laughs> minutes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we already have such a screwed up. I'm yeah. sorry, view yeah. of time. I mean, yeah. everything Corinne knows me. But yeah, I'm just like that. Is we talk about this? Like, how could somebody just go Waste that wandering time. through yes. Target? That is so inefficient. <laughs> like, don't you don't you just list. know what you're in there yes. for? You have your list. Like, yeah, because everything to us is well, how are we using our time, and is this a misuse of time, whatever. So I can see on the one hand how it would work very well. Yeah. This timer, I've I've heard about these, and at the same time also could become yeah. like psychotic. But yeah, but that. But that is what is a key to transitioning yeah. between just law, law and writing. 
is using the things that you, the tools you already have incredibly yes. sharpened. And one is being professional, like mm-hmm. get your work done. You will get yeah. your work done when you have a schedule to get it done. And then the other is, you know, just using the things that, you know, like time, our relationship yeah. to time is toxic, but it works well. And then always what gets you here won't get you there. So yeah, you got to let it go. But that's mm-hmm. for kind of later on in the journey. Yeah. What about, Kate had already mentioned it, what about writing classes? How how do you feel about them? Christy, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be where I am without writing classes and there's just no way. I didn't know not only did I not know anything about the craft of writing other than being a lifelong reader, which gets yeah. you pretty far, but it, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it couldn't get me all the way personally. But I also didn't know, I didn't know the value of a writing community. Like I didn't know people submitted their work, like wrote essays. I don't, I didn't know what happened to them. I was like, then what do you do with them? And they're like, oh, you mm-hmm. submit them and you get a lot of rejections and then you get them published. I learned everything by f- I started out taking classes and I learned how to get feedback, yes. which is inc- if you're serious that about is, wanting to yeah. be in the writing world, learning how to metabolize feedback, take it graciously, and then give feedback as a part of being in the literary, a good literary citizen. But, you know, I, I learned how to work with feedback in writing groups long before I had an editor at Avid Reader Press. And... I just needed all that socialization. <laughs> yeah, yes. I just needed a lot of socialization. <laughs> that is something you have no idea about as a lawyer. Whatever feedback yeah. you are given as a lawyer, comments, track changes, comments from the client, they will not at, at they don't ever come close to what you will experience in a writing workshop. Wait, so tell me because that I've not done this, the writing workshop feedback yeah. kind of a thing, but I would have said how is it really that I would have thought that given how I feel like we get a lot of feedback compared to other jobs yes. and I'm a litigator so we write a lot and I give a lot of feedback on writing and have at least when I was younger as an associate received a lot of very critical feedback and had to get a thick skin or whatever you're saying this is not how Christy, do they differ? Uh, I does it feel can't... more vulnerable is that what it is because you wrote these words I know I wrote yeah. the brief but I don't <laughs> feel as emotionally attached to it is that why it would feel I the feedback? feel like when I so I was not a litigator but I negotiate loan documents so f- feedback is contracts like feedback mm-hmm. is constant from my boss the client and then the other side. But I always still felt like I it was removed in many ways. But most importantly, it's not about it's not you. You're you're yeah. producing work product for someone else. You're advocating for someone else. You are really not in it. Yes, you wrote it, but you're not yeah. in it at all. Makes sense. And so yeah. you might feel embarrassed. I had had experienced of feeling embarrassed at something I missed or got wrong. Mm-hmm. That is a nor- that like maybe that's more like school feedback, writing feedback. And Christy, you can speak. I mean, yeah. everyone might be different, but their writing feedback is. It's deeply personal, it, it is, seems like. Too. It is yeah. so much harder to metabolize. And even when you don't take it personally, because you will also take it personally, but even when you don't, you don't have a clear vision, like a, a brief or for me, a, con- a loan agreement. It had very clear parameters. Like I wasn't yeah. being creative Fair. with it in any way, shape or mm-hmm. form, right? That would be bad, actually. Mm-hmm. So this is like 
oh, someone might say something like, well, you didn't introduce us to this character. I don't really know who she is. And then I'd be like, okay, let me go introduce this character and show you who she is. And so much of feedback is if you don't have your own strong voice, you will take everyone's feedback and then your manuscript will be a muddled mess of many voices. And so it is, it's vulnerable, it's personal, it's creative, it's subjective, and it's also it can undermine your own voice, own voice. and yeah, you have to be able see. to manage all of that because mm-hmm. I don't think you really get anything out in the world without managing other people's voices. It's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And I th- early on, I remember my first writing group, it was just, there was just three of us total and we met in person and we all met like at a writing conference, like a one day writing conference in Chicago. And there weren't even like marquee names. It's not like Gillian Flynn wasn't coming by. It was just a bunch of us trying to figure out how to, how to have a writing life and what could that look like. And we just huddled together and we started writing. We met every other week and I would go to bed the night before, just like my stomach and knots, like, what mm-hmm. are they going to tell me? What's it going to feel like? They don't get it. Like, that was my thing. They mm. don't get it. Oh, like, I used to <laughs> always say that. And mm-hmm. then I would go and they would give me contradictory feet. Like one of them yes. would say, I love what you're doing here. The other one would say, I think you need to start way sooner, or way later. Right. And then I would leave just tied up in knots. Yeah, and confused. I think that that might be part. I mean, for me, what I see when I look back at that, I think, that was helping me get stronger and in my vision of the work I was doing and the and is certainly in voice, but also just to be like, at the end of the day, I'm the author and I'm authorized to <laughs> write this story and their feedback. I learned how to get better at digesting that feedback, but I also got, became a better writer and I got better feedback. So it's kind of like there's just certain there's certain baptisms to go through. Yeah in this yeah. career or there were for me that I'm glad I'm on a, I, you know, I have different struggles today, still there, still struggling, yeah. but yeah. they're just, they look different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let me ask yes. because you guys have done, I think both of you, I, what I would say, all different kinds of these classes, right? Yes. You've done retreats. Oh, thank you. I was going to say that. Okay. Yeah. And I only know this from talking to you and now from talking to the authors, other authors on the podcast the various things there are. There are classes, but there's also retreats. And it might be if you're trying, if you're listening and you're trying to get into this, like going to a retreat seems like, whoa, like I'm not ready for that. Or maybe even a class seems daunting. Like what about, I've heard authors say they just have like a writing partner. And that's to me seems like, oh, maybe you just need one other person. And maybe is that an easier entry? Or what do you think about that versus people who might think of, class or a retreat is like only for real authors or something. I started taking classes to find writing people, like okay, to find that makes writing sense. partners. How would you find I didn't them? Know, right. Yeah, I didn't have access to people like that. And I was, and we'll talk about this kind of in the existential part, identity part of it. I did not share with anyone at my in my legal life that I was writing right. or that I wanted to point. or in any way. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't find them there. So there are classes, primarily I think what we're talking about, and anyone can can chime in if you're feeling differently, classes are basically maybe, uh, let's call them three hours, right? So the first, or whatever amount, two hours, half of the time in that class is dedicated to learning something about craft. You read, you know, some exceptional dialogue, and then you talk about what made this dialogue work and not work, and and or you read 
a scene a setting description. So that is like an instructive part of the class. And then the other part of the class is workshop where you read one person's work per week and and talk about what worked for you and what didn't. Now there's we can we could go down a rabbit hole of what style of structure workshops. Some of them the author's not allowed to speak at all. The others others the authors chime in. That's kind of beside the point. I think that I like that hybrid. I would not have jumped right into workshop. I would have felt too confused and messy. I like but I also didn't want to just learn by reading dialogue. I also wanted feedback on my actual work. And to just to tie this back to time, a lot of these classes can be like you know, in the evenings, six weeks. Good point. I know that seems impossible, but if you just, you tell, you know, the partner at your law firm that you're taking a night class for an hour and a half for six weeks, I'm sorry, just say, and if you don't want to say it's writing, say it's CPR, whatever it is, just make up something. I was just going to say, I'm and, a partner in the law firm. If the associate tells me that, how am I going to feel? No, yeah. I'm you might want to- no. Uh, and you have to know your partners, right? Like yeah, who exactly. you're working for. Exactly. So, so I wouldn't uh, care. I wouldn't and care. maybe it's not, you don't say writing, you don't say something that they might think is frivolous, yeah. but you say something serious or you say as little as possible. I have a class. Yeah. I will be back on at 730. Exactly. And we all know that that's exactly. po- like, we will probably have to do that. But you can say, I'm gone from six to 730. I will be right on after that. And, yeah. you know, you, you deal with that. It's, and it's a short period of time, six weeks, four weeks. You right. can find classes like that. Just commit to it. It's It will show yourself how serious you are about it. So mm. did I, Kate, I feel like there was a question there. No, I, it was about having a writing partner, but it's, it's oh, yes. there's all different ways to do it, basically. Yes. No, so can, I went to classes to find groups. Fine, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, and I picked out the people whose writing I liked, who... Yeah. And who I thought I would maybe jive with personality wise. And then I collect, I've collected so many people from mm-hmm. my classes that still, you know, are around me today, but I couldn't have done it without those classes. Yeah. I had a similar experience too, where by meeting people in classes, I would then, as Corinne said, I would collect them and then bring them, you know, be mm-hmm. part of their world and they could be part of mine. And I also found that. I still, I just want to give a plug for classes. I still take yes. them. I'm always like, am Same. I about to take this? I know I'm a published author, but I want to keep learning. There's a million things I don't know. I'm, and one of the things that I actually found, what's what's fantastic today is there are so many places to find writing, writing classes that you could take them at any time you want. In my last job, I worked for the government. So timing was a little it was a little less about FaceTime as long as you got your hours in so I took a class that was it was during the day it was like from 12 to 1 30 that's my once a week I took a long lunch yep. and it was designed because I think most people I guess most people want nighttime classes but that didn't work for my family life so I took it during the day and most of the people were in Europe and there were a couple of people you know who South Africa because mm-hmm. they were however it works but like what's great is you could probably find a class and I'm sure we can tell you about resources at yes. some point we just talk about say, that we should do put that, that. Yes. where sure, you can right. find something that works for your schedule and 
that's just it's it's all there for the taking which is amazing yes what's well, so remote now that's yes. the other thing like, you know, post pandemic everything yeah. has an online component now it is harder to to click with someone and yeah. keep up that connection mm-hmm. online but i you, you can do it you it absolutely happens, can yeah. do it i it happens to me often Christy and I met online, so yeah, yeah there was mm-hmm. no in-person component for some time. But so what my start was at Catapult. I went in person. It was in Midtown. It was actually pretty easy for me to get to from work. Catapult no longer offers classes, so that is out. But I have other Grub Street has been completely invaluable to me. I mean, they have such a great name and reputation. Their instructors are some of the best. And I jumped in during the pandemic when everything went online and now they've kept some of that online presence. They yeah. they are really about in-person community, but they do have online classes that I still think are absolutely fantastic and I take them often. I also took another class um, with Curtis Brown, which is an mm-hmm. agency in the UK. They offer yeah. writing classes and a lot of those are actually independently done but you do get you it's still the same thing you get feedback on your work you submit it online and you get feedback and then there's also kind of the learning component they have videos that you can watch at any time so I highly suggest that too Christy what are some of your favorites yeah I started out my writing class career I think I started with corporeal writing and it was all online and this is 2016 so this was even before before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Lydia Yuknovich, the writer out in Portland, she had an online she had online classes. They were asynchronous, so you could work Same. at your own pace, mm-hmm. but you were supposed to comment on other people's writing. That's where I met. I'm in four writing groups. I met two of my writing group cohorts in that, and then every now and then there would be in person offerings, you know. And sometimes I can't, I couldn't afford time or money wise to get myself to Portland, but eventually I've I've met all the people, so that was a huge one. And in Chicago, which I didn't even discover until the pandemic, Story Studio they do mm-hmm. they're like about half and half now between in person mm-hmm. and online, and they have they have something called pajama sessions, like if you just want to pop in to hear Claire Dieter or I can't even think there's so many great ones that go or Maggie Smith they'll do just like a two-hour lecture on one area of craft or you can take a novel in a year course and you can do it in person Mm. or online and there's so much support now and I think I've done some from out of Lighthouse in Denver is another great resource Hugo House, I think is in Seattle I don't even know where some of these places are because I take the classes yes it doesn't matter and I will definitely echo that Grub Street is a wonderful yeah. resource. And also one other place for just taking class, like hearing lectures from like writers who are super interesting and well-established is the Shipman Agency. Oh, They'll okay. have like yes. Alexander Chi yes. or Eula Biss. And it's like two Saturdays for two hours. And if you can't make the class, you can get a recording. Yeah. So yeah. it's it seems like it all nets out to be very writer-friendly. I think listening to you guys, though, another reason classes would work well for the lawyer type, right, is the 
there is accountability. And you, mm-hmm. if there's, you know, you know, next week you're meeting and you were supposed to yeah. write dialogue or whatever assignment you were yeah. given, the lawyer in you is going to be like, it's yeah. going to, you're going to do it because we don't miss deadlines or miss assignments. So having a group in which you have to show up, that's what we do. So oh, yeah. I could see why that would be a very good format or structure for the lawyer type. Yeah, forget it. Right. Oh, what about this, Corinne, when, you know, I'm a total rule follower and I, you know, I spend, you know, eight hours a day trying to figure out what the court wants, what font, what margin, what color on the appellate brief, it's got to be a red cover, whatever. Uh Then you go to, you go to the writing workshop and you're supposed to turn in 3000 words and here comes someone with their 8000 words and I'm just be like, you're like, because no, reject that. I mean, reject that. Because <laughs> I'm compulsive. So I'm like, I have yeah. to read every page. Blah, like, yeah. I'm trying to get an A, you know, yeah. and of course. it just it mm-hmm. was so it can be very frustrating for those of us who are really, really rule followers. Yeah, I, really I would rule get followers. And I would get mad because I'd be like, well, I wanted feedback on 8000 words. Who didn't want feedback on 8000 words? I had to cut that's it off not- at three because that's, you know, what the guidelines were. Yeah. Yes. For sure. There's a lot of that. You'll you'll find that. I have never taken a Sackett Street writing class, but they have also, if you're in New York, they have in person and online. I've heard great things about them. I've never personally done it, but uh, I've heard great things. And then I will. Yes, okay, go. Sorry. I was mm-hmm. just going to put in a pitch for if you read a book and you're like, it, and, and it rearranges your DNA. Yeah. It feels like that close to your heart. See if look, go look up your writer and reach out. Yes, writers yeah, are hustlers. Yeah. I have had people reach out to me and say, "Would you review a? I do you do manuscript review?" And yeah. I absolutely do. And yeah. I have cre- I've I've been the beneficiary as a as a writer, and as that's how I found my first classes because I read Lydia Yuknovich's Chronology of Water, and I was like, I will do anything yes. to just hear this woman talk. And I found out she had online classes, so. Go check out their social media, write to them. If you're serious about it, why not? Yes. Yeah. You, you have nothing to lose there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. How about writing retreats? So for the for the Erica Katzes of the world who have to like go away for a week and bang out a whole bunch of words as opposed to little tiny bits each day, I highly recommend the Northern California Writing Retreat. Uh, they always have an amazing author in, in residence that will talk to you and uh, you'll learn some craft that way. And there's also time to write. So well, let me ask on yeah. a retreat versus a class, a class, presumably you can just sign up and you don't have to apply or your writing isn't being judged ahead of time, right? Whereas a retreat, don't you have to submit something to get It's both and both. Or- some okay. some classes you don't even have to apply to. Some classes you do have to apply okay. to and get it get admitted. The and then retreat, mm-hmm. same thing. You have okay. some of them. You have to get by a gatekeeper. Northern California retreat writing retreat is very competitive, so you can't yeah, just expect to go that's next maybe, year. Yes, with that one. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Christina, Only because every author we've had on in the last month has been a NorCal it's graduate, true. so we're on a streak with them. So. No, it's true because it's a very serious. Yeah. retreat you're you're really taking yourself seriously as a writer if you're if you get into and go to that christy and i met or met in person I, was it the first time it wasn't the first time because that oh. was in a hotel <laughs> yes but <laughs> at, at that's Yale. another story apparently yes. <laughs> yes the yale summer writing 
and that is heavy on craft and workshopping. And there's also time to write. That's another great one. So those are some retreats if you want something longer. But you will see these little things build up. This is where I'll start to get a little woo-woo. You're telling the universe, I am a writer. Yes, I'm a lawyer. Yes, this is my, you know, 2,000 hours a year. You can't negotiate that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's not even what you want to negotiate. All of us started this process and finished a novel while we were working full time. That is not the barrier in and of itself. It is knowing yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think work, putting money and time into classes and workshops or retreats, whatever it is, really tells the universe, I'm serious about calling myself a writer. If And that's, for most people, that's the first way they can do it. I mean, Kate started a podcast and got her stripes <laughs> that way. But for a lot of people, that is how you tell the universe that I'm serious about this. And it, it means something to you. And those mm-hmm. things really build on themselves. How about books? Let's talk about books. What I already talked about Twyla Tharp's being a really early, important read for me to understand what I was doing and and how I could have a creative practice. Christy, any books that you? Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to the much maligned The Artist's Way. Mm. (laughs) It's it's so easy to parody. It's it's I tried it when I was early before, like probably when I was starting my very first novel many, many, many years ago. And I wasn't ready. And if you're not ready, you'll know by page two. <laughs> this yes. is not for me. Mm-hmm. But I have revis- I revisited The Artist's Way summer of 2020 before my first book came out because I knew I needed some kind of like underpinning that would help me help me understand the difference between art and commerce because I was already worried about the reception uh. of my book. I mean, that's far down the road. But just I wanted a greater intimacy between me and my 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 creativity writ large. And so that if it's the right time, that's a really great book. Another one that has helped me at three different junctures in my writing life when I was ready to quit. um, It's called Art and Fear. Mm. by it's got two authors, Dave Bales, and I'll I'll look it up. But um, it really, it really talks about did we get that from Susie Yang? Yes. She I think you got it from Susie Yang and I got it from oh, you. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. White Ivy author Susie Yang. Oh, yes. She reminded yeah. it. Mind, and she, talk about it, it's so great for whatever stage you're at. One of the main takeaways is being precious and trying to create the perfect thing is the quickest way to shut down creatively. And yeah. there's some there's a very like memorable to me study. They told one group of people, go try to make as many pots as you can, like on a potter's wheel, probably. And they told mm-hmm. other the other group, try to make one perfect pot. And there was more joy and more creativity and better pots hmm. when the goal was to make a bunch versus one perfect. And mm-hmm. I carry that to my writing desk every time I sit down. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. Right. I perfect that. is the enemy of what done? Is that is, perfect is the enemy is I forget. But of the good. Of, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's of good. Yeah. yeah. This is why I'm afraid of books. I own a lot of these books. Yeah. I don't read them. Yeah. And I think this is could be an excuse, but 
I feel like knowing me that that's what would happen. I would read these books and I would think that I have to follow this or I would study it like or intellectualize it like I do everything else and that this might be an area where it would be better for me to just actually try to write than to go, you know. So maybe they're for later. Maybe, but these two books that Christy just mentioned are really light, if nothing on craft, right? Like it's really about mindset. And how to, Mm -hmm. you know, overcome the normal obstacles of, of the writing life. Mm -hmm. I do have the artist way. Right. Art and Fear is by. Now I can't see the title. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, I can't see the title. But the other thing I would say too is. I agree with you, Kate. If I'm in the wrong state of mind, I will be hiding in craft books and I see writers just yes. hide. And it's like, yeah. at some point, at some point, yeah. writing is different than reading and it's time to put the books down. For me, mm-hmm. I yeah. have to put yeah. the, I have to stop hiding and like, wait till I understand this. Art and Fear is by David Bales and Ted Orland. Okay, okay. Good. good to know. Oh, and Christy, what was the one we both just read? Where you oh, the dream? Rick Rubin? No. Oh, oh gosh. No. The Rick Rubin. Oh, my God. Corinne introduced me to this book that is completely And I don't even life-changing. remember. Someone else introduced... Oh, Chris... No, someone else introduced me to this From one. Where You Dream yes. by Robert okay. Olin Butler. It is, it is an acid trip of a book. It's about and mining I, your creativity, your subconscious for creativity. I oh, totally like it while you dream or just generally... I think like when you sit down, it's sort of like his his ideas, like art doesn't come from ideas. It doesn't come from your brain. Right. It comes from this mysterious interplay of yeah. all your experience, your trauma, your subconscious, yeah. Yeah. your desire, and you get it on the page. And it's like, what? It's, <laughs> it's gorgeous and strange. Yes. Right. Uh, agreed. Right. Um, all right. Let me t- say a couple of mine. I have mine back here. Oh, okay. I am not someone. So by the way, just... I mean, if there's anything to take away, it's you have to know yourself. And that's what writing, unlike law, law will Mm -hmm. undo who you are. Law makes people uniform. You're Mm -hmm. this amount of time, this structure for the loan documents, for your brief, for everything is uniform. There is no individuality. Writing will force you to know who you are and how you work. Consider this. So I love writing books. I don't get lost in them. I am famous for reading like 12 pages, having it unlock something in me and going right back to the computer and like never looking at the book again. So oh, okay. That actually not... makes people, that makes me feel better. Like, yeah, I you don't, know, you don't take have to it... read the whole thing. Yeah. Consider this by Chuck Nut. He wrote Fight Club and it has got craft in it. It has stories from his own down and out times. It's amazing. Twilight Harper, I've already mentioned. I I, uh, I also love Sandra Scoffield, The Last Draft. Don't even think about querying. You will think you're done. All of us here are guilty of thinking you're done and you are not done. Mm-hmm. And you know that only after you've gotten 25 rejections from agents. The Last Draft is, I think, a great book to keep pushing when you think you're done. I liked Danny Shapiro's Still Writing was another good one. I like Lisa Cron. She has two books uh, on and hers are very prescriptive. So if you like prescriptive like I do, I'm like, just tell me mm-hmm. how to break this down. Like word for word. What do I do here? What do I do here? Like, how do I hit all these beats? 
of course, on writing well is is great. But really, this is the Bible for me. It is John Truby's The Anatomy of Story, and he now has a genres book. Uh, it's 22 Steps to Becoming a Master Storyteller. I dare you to find anyone who can understand really this book and follow the 22 steps. This is not for someone who is looking for a prescription, like how to do things. Like you, like if you get really, like you feel like you have to follow it. It is so dense and heady and confusing. But if you're someone like me who can, like I'm like sprinkling the book over my head, who can let it mm-hmm. wash over you yeah. and get a vague idea of what a story looks like. And if you can challenge yourself to just do some of his exercises, your book will be immeasurably better than it was before. But if you are someone who will be scared, I mean, he's got a whole chart and like how to fill it in and you can't start writing until you've done it. I've never done that. I don't pay that close attention to it. I kind of let some of the ideas wash over me and I will go back to this book all the time and go, oh, yeah, what about allies, you know, like, which is the other people that are in your book? And oh, what about goals? And what about ghosts? And I'll just go back and read some and like have it kick something up in me. If you're going to take it too seriously, it's a nightmare of a book. It will paralyze you. So be warned about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yeah. But it's a fantastic, it's, I think if you can let one, one hundredth of the book find a way into you your writing your structure will just be incredibly better yeah I'll give a shout out to also for the canonical Stephen Pressfield's oh yes thank you of art thank you which is real again it's not a craft book it's all about examining your inner resistance or one's own inner resistance to making art to being exposed to giving yourself permission it's that's a super quick read and he's got like a it took him 20 years to get his book out into the world and he's got a lot he brings back a lot of wisdom from his experiences which are so comforting they're just so comforting yes that is the perfect segue we're gonna end this episode as because that is the perfect segue that is how i started to identify myself as a writer was with that book so Mm. unless uh, there's anything else we want to talk about logistics then we'll cut this one off and we'll start the next one about the existential identity crisis of being a lawyer, which is so different from being a writer. All right, good. All right, we'll be back. 